Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. Last week uh, and the weeks prior to that, we're going through a series called Summer Baggage and we talked about how you can't get rid of the summer baggage, those things that are weighing you down. You can't get rid of those things until you set your priorities straight. And so from the first time we said, you need to make sure you have your priorities straight and you need to make sure you know what comes first and what comes second. And so when you have your priorities straight, it's then that you begin to work on those baggage things. The first thing I talked about was laziness. I talked about laziness and how a lot of people have become kind of lazy in our society today and how God does not want you to be lazy. As a matter of fact, when you're lazy, you don't have a plan. You have a plan and purpose, but you don't fulfill that. Last week I talked about, will the real you please stand up? Basically being fake and trying to please other people. Even though the Bible says specifically that if you're trying to please people, you're not pleasing God. Specifically, it's what it says. And so you can't do a series though. You can't do a series on baggage and skip over this topic today. And so let's look at 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. That's 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. All right. So here's what it says. The scripture is on the back. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. The scripture is on the back as well from 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says this, And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So God has given us his spirit. So God's Holy Spirit is living within us. And what that says is, is that we are in God and God is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. And all who confess that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. And here's what it says. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we like Jesus live here in this world. And here's what it says. And this is the part I want to focus on. Such love, the love that Christ has put in us, the love that he came when he died on the cross, that love, because of that love, that love lives in us. And so it says this, such love has no fear. Because perfect love and the perfect love is the love that he brought to us and the love that we have in ourselves. That love, it expels all fear. So if we're afraid for the fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love, we love each other because he first loved us first. So perfect love expels fear. So what does he say about worrying? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Remember I told you last week that the way the Sermon on the Mount is written is it's Jesus' explanation of what of what the kingdom of God, his kingdom, him being the ruler, his kingdom was going to be like. And here's what it says. Starting in verse 25, it says, 
<clears throat> By the way, just as a, as a side note, he's going through this series of teaching. And right up above this verse, if you look in your Bible, it says teaching about money and possessions. So right before money and possessions, and then right after, he says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to them than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't wear or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek first. And we've talked about this. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So my question is simply this. If we know the Bible... If we love God, if we're following Jesus and we know the Bible and we know specifically what Jesus said, he tells us not to have fear and not to have worry. Here's my question to you. Why do we still have fear and worry? That's the question. If the spirit that God put in us, if the spirit that God put in us is one that runs out fear and worry, then why do we still have fear and worry? Why is it that whenever I do a message on fear and worry, it resonates more with everybody than anything else? Why is that the case? I don't know about you, but I come from a long line of warriors. Not warriors, warriors. My mom's watching right now, and she knows this. My mom is a professional warrior. She is. There's professional baseball players, professional football players, professional golfers, and my mom is a professional warrior. I have aunts and uncles who have refined the beautiful art of worry. They think up new things to worry about. And if they're not worried about it, they're worried about why they have nothing to worry about. Sometimes I can fall in the trap of worrying too. I've gotten better, but it's still there. So I decided this week I would take a look at what we worry about the most. And I bet you'll know some of these. Here are the top five things that people in America worry about the most. You ready? Number one, money. 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 So verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now I want, to, I want you to get your mindset on this and I want you to think about this because you may not have thought about this. But when he was saying these things on the side of the mountain, there was no refrigeration system. They didn't have refrigerators with food piled in it. And they didn't go down to Kohl's. Or, or, you know, Belk or some other place to get food. There was no Super Walmart. You know, it, there wasn't Super Walmart East in Jerusalem and Super Walmart West. They didn't have any of those things. 
Okay? Nothing. They literally had to go day to day getting their food, getting their daily needs. And so if anyone had anything to worry about, it would be them. Yet Jesus said, no, I will provide all those things for you. Money is the number one thing that we worry about. The second thing is the future. Is the future. I've got good news for you. God has already seen the future, and it's going to be just fine. It's going to be just fine. Yet, the future is another thing we worry about. Relationships, husbands, wives. Isn't it interesting that we worry about relationships third and money first? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Relationships, third. The fourth thing is your health. You worry about your health. Are you sick? Do you have something going on? Can I tell you guys something? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this. There's a lot worse things than dying. I want you to hear that. There's a lot worse things than dying if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. It says that we will not experience the sting of death because, because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Literally, we close our eyes here and wake up in his presence. Yet we worry about our health constantly. And it's amazing because I'm getting ready to tell you some, in, a, in a minute, I'm going to tell you some interesting things about that, about what worry does to your health. The fifth thing is you worry about your kids and your loved ones. You worry about your kids and your loved ones. And those are the top five things that we worry about. I love what Mark Twain said about worry. He said this. He said, 85% of things people worry about never happen. And he said, he said, I've worried about a lot of things in my life, most which never occurred. 85% of things that people worry about never happen. So I want to give you a test here today. I know it's a pop quiz, you guys. It's a church pop quiz. Here we go. You guys ready? And maybe some of you can do this, but I'm going to bet most of you can't. Can you tell me what it was that you were worried about this time last year? Can you let me know what that was? Can you let me know what that was? Can you let me know what you were worried about this time last year? I would say that most people cannot do that. Most people cannot do that. What you were worried about most this time last year. The truth of the matter is, is that we go from worry to worry to worry. And when one stops, the next one starts. And oftentimes we string it together and we end up living a lifetime of fear and worry. Even though the reason, one of the reasons Christ died for you and I is to alleviate the fear and worry in our life. And to know that he is in charge. Which brings me to my first point. What's the plan for fear and worry? Well, here you are. You are not in control. I want to say that again. You are not in control. For some reason, we feel like we're in full control until we aren't in full control. And then reality hits us right in the face. Last year was a specific time. I think about, you know, last year, I remember it was March 12th. And I was like, man, you know, I wonder if this whole COVID thing is going to get going to get bad. I wonder how it's going to be. And then March 13th happened. 
and we're sitting there and I'm getting ready to watch some basketball and some sports on TV. And all of a sudden, we start hearing different things. This game is canceled and that game's canceled and this game is, and it goes on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, everything shuts down. Over a weekend, everything shuts down. Can I tell you that I had plans that weekend? I had great plans that weekend. As a matter of fact, I had great plans all that year. I had wonderful plans. I was going to do a broad trip, not a road trip, a broad trip. A broad trip is a road trip with your bro. Right, Kip? Anyway, so we had that planned. We were going to go all over the West. We were going to drive out and go all over the West, you know. And guess what? We had to cancel that. While I was on my broad trip, my wife and son were going to take his senior trip to go to Israel. And we had to cancel that. And we had to cancel the graduation. We had it all planned out. See, my, my wife was going to be able to give my son his diploma. That's one of the things they let you do in public school if you work at the school. And so he was going to, she was going to be able to give him his diploma. And she did give him his diploma in our living room as his name was on the back of the TV. Okay. I also had something else planned. We were going to be empty nesters. We were excited about empty nesters. <laughs> we were. And then COVID hit. We're now looking forward to August 10th this year. Blake, more than us, I guarantee it. That is, the, that is absolutely the truth. That is the truth, 100%. We were going to do that. My wife and I were going to celebrate our 25th anniversary. She's been married to me 25 years all in a row. And we were going to say, I know, it's a miracle. Trust me, it's a miracle. And we were going to, we were going to go to Hawaii. And we had to cancel that. And then my daughter comes to me and says she wants to get married. And then we had to cancel everything because we didn't have any money because she took it all with the wedding. All right? So we're trying to make up for lost time this year from what happened last year. But here's what I want to tell you about that. You have no control. You have no control. Here's what James 4.14 says. We have it up there in the back. James 4.14 says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. So uh, I, I love walking through our neighborhood. And uh, let me just rephrase that. I walk through our neighborhood for my health. I don't love walking through our neighborhood. I do it because I just need to do it. For my mental and physical health, I, like, you know, I do it. Okay, I like the results of it. So I walk through the neighborhood. And every once in a while, there'll be someone with a sprinkler system. Okay. And I'm a sweater, okay? We got any sweaters in here? Not an actual sweater you put on. I'm talking about dripping sweat, okay? That's me. I'm a sweater, okay? It's funny. Everybody that raised their hand, they're kind of big boys. Not you so much, RJ, but let's be honest. Okay, so, but seriously, I'm a sweater. And so, so I was walking through the neighborhood, and sometimes there'll be sprinkler systems on. And there'll be this mist that hits me right in the face. And it feels so good, like this mist just hits me right in the face. And then coolness just sweeps over, you know, all, all over me. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this feels so good. And then, bam, the sun hits me. And that mist is gone. And it's back to hell. That's what it feels like, the pit right in my face. That's how short your life is. 
That moment, that moment between the mist hitting your face and the hotness, that, that, that's how short your life is, is what James says. That's how short your life is. There's a story in, in Luke, in Luke chapter, chapter uh, 12, there's a story about a rich farmer. I'll read that to you. I'm going to turn there and read that to you. Luke chapter 12, here's what it says, okay? It says this, it says, then, this is Jesus, then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He was doing great. He was making money. He was doing great. All right, go to the next one. Go to the next one. Is there another slide? Okay. Is that it? What should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. I don't have room for all my crops. So what am I going to do? Well, here's what he decides. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room to store all wheat and all the other goods. Here's the only problem. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have stored enough away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And the issue was, was this. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? You, a person, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but do not have rich relationship with God. Here's the truth of the matter, you guys. Even though you feel like you're in control, you're not in control. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So my question to you is how you live in your life. Are you living the life like you control every aspect? Are you living your life trying to control other people? Are you living a life trying to control what happens to you? Are you worried constantly about this or that? Can I tell you that's a heavy burden to carry? And you don't need to be carrying that burden. The person that's carrying the burden for your future is not you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He carries the burden. That's why he says, listen, my yoke is easy, but my burden is what? It's light. It's light, and we should carry that burden lightly. Let him do the majority of the work. I'm asking you to trust in the person that created you. I'm asking you to trust in the person that gave you the gifts and the talents. I'm asking you to trust in the person that's called you for a certain purpose. What I'm asking you not to do is to constantly try to control your own life, especially control the life of other people around you. Now, you may have issues. I know I did. I used to have issues with this. Still do a little bit. Uh, some of the staff members would say I have it a lot bit. But, you know, there was a certain way I wanted things done. And I wanted this to happen and this to happen and this to happen and this to happen. And I did that with my family and my work and all and on and on. And I had to work hard in not doing that anymore. I had to work hard to trust God enough that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And I had to work hard to trust that God had a plan and purpose for those people's lives and their ministries and their futures and on and on and on and on. And I didn't need to worry about them. I needed to worry about my relationship with God and all these things would be added. And I would love to say, oh yeah, I'm totally, I don't want to ever do that anymore. That's not the truth at all. Because you still have weak moments in your life where you just want to bring everything back to a certain place and you want to make sure that you're in full control. The truth of the matter is, is that you can't control what anyone else does. Let me tell you a story. My daughter was in high school. She was in ninth grade and she was struggling and, and, and she's always given me permission to share this because she knows what's God, what's God has done in her life, but she was really struggling a lot. 
and she was struggling and she was struggling. And this, this truth hit me right dead in the face because what Wendy and I thought was, was if we bring her to a home, a godly home, love on her, love her ears off, and she's going to, she's going to do great and she's going to thrive. And that's the case. She has eventually done that. But the problem was, was that there was a lot of junk between there and here. Are you with me? And so she was in ninth grade and we found out she was, she was doing some harm to herself and she was very, very depressed. And I'm going to tell you something. You find out real quick when your kid is going through a tough time, how little control you have and how much control God has. When you have someone you love going through a tough time, you find out really quick that the only hope that you have, I want you to hear this, the only hope that you have is the Lord Jesus Christ and his provision. And what you end up falling back on is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is what you end up falling back on. You realize very quickly when it comes to your kids that you do not have control. You think you have control, but you do not have control because they can make this decision or that decision or that decision and there's nothing you can do about it. You can be a domineering parent. You can be an overbearing parent. You can be an angry parent. You can be a, you know, whatever. You can do all those things. But when it gets down to it, there's nothing you can do to control God is the only one that has to touch their heart. God is the only one that has to heal them. God is the only one that has to come down and put his fingerprints on their life and continue to put his fingerprints on your life. And in order not to worry about that, that's when it hit us in the face. I remember talking to Wendy and I was like, we have no control here. We are completely out of control. And we had nothing else to do. Literally, we had nothing else to do except look to God and that's it and nothing else. There was nothing we could say. For God's sakes, my wife's a therapist. Okay, I'm a pastor. Surely there's words that we can say to our daughter. No, none of that mattered at the time. None of it did. God may use us for other things for other people and be a blessing to other people. But the reality is in that moment, he wanted us to trust him 100%. And he told us in that moment, don't worry about her. I will take care of her. And can I tell you, it's been a long journey, but he has been faithful to what his word has said to us. He has taken care of her. And it's an amazing thing. But you have no control. You have no control over people. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Fear and worry, they rob your joy. They do. They rob your joy. Matthew 6, 27 says this. It says, who can add? Who can add a single day? Okay. Can all your worries add a single day to your life? And the answer is, the answer is no. Not one ounce of worry can add a single day to your life. But here's what I want you to understand. They can sure take days away. I want you to hear that. They can sure take days away from your life. I want, I want to read from you some things that, that worry causes. Worry and fear cause this. First thing it causes is depression. Major depression is because of fear and because of worry. It can cause major depression. And along with that, it can cause anxiety. It can cause anxiety. I know there's people in here that may feel like they have to control everything or they have to be on top of everything and they have to know everything. But the reality is the beauty of a relationship with God is not knowing everything and trusting anyway. Are you with me? It's not knowing everything and trusting anyway. Trusting that what he has for your life is good and right and that he's going to walk you out. It causes depression. It causes anxiety. It causes heart attacks. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that it causes heart attacks? 
constant worry and constant anxiety and constant stress and constant fear that causes heart attacks. It, and these are all, all things that are clinical. It increases your pulse rate. It increases your blood pressure. Here's the truth of the matter. When you sit around and you worry and you fear, it literally is killing you. I want you to hear that. It literally is killing you. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Think about this. Isn't it amazing that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke the words on the Sermon on the Mount that I just read to you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about, don't worry about those things. Those things. Worry about today. You know, there's enough things for, for, for tomorrow. Don't worry about that. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow hasn't got here yet. And he was giving instruction. And in all his wisdom, and people always say, well, how'd you know Jesus is God? Listen, in all his wisdom, he focuses in on worry and fear. Worry and fear is what he focused in on because he knew, he knew. Why? Why don't he want us to worry and be fearful? Because he knows how you and I are created and he knows what it does to us and he wants what's best for us. And so he has provided a reason and a way to trust him. And we need to embrace that and let go of that baggage and truly trust who he is. It's robbing you of your life that God wants you to live. It is. It's robbing you. Of your life. So what is God's answer to worry? Here you go. I'm going to give it to you. He's got it in scripture. I know that shocks everybody. But he's got it in scripture. And it's a three-part process. God's answer to worry and fear is peace. God's answer to worry and fear is peace. In 2 Timothy verse 1, 6 and 7, it says this. It says, it says this is why I remind you to fan into the flames of the spiritual gifts. He's talking to Timothy. And he says, uh, the spirit. If God gave you when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. He's not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't. Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7 says this. Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7 says this. It says, always be joyful in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And then he says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And then we're going to get into the meat of the matter. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And you, Lynn, you can just leave that right there. Just leave that verse up right there because that's exactly where we're going to be at. Okay. And we'll go, we'll go to verse seven in a minute, but I want to go through this verse with you. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Philippians verse four, chapter four, verse six. That is the answer to your worry problem. If you want a worry issue, solution, it's right there. I want to go through it with you. Here's the answer. The first thing he does is he says, pray, pray. You know what praying does? You know what praying does? Can I tell you something? I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. God doesn't need you to pray to him. I want you to hear that. God doesn't need you to pray to him. He's fully aware of what's going on and he's fully, he doesn't need you to pray to him at all. But do you know what prayer does? Prayer gets you on your knees and you say, Lord, I am identifying right now that I am not in control, but that you are. And so I am coming to you in a conversation, Lord. I'm coming to you in a conversation and I'm presenting my needs to you. But as I'm doing that, I am also releasing control 
Because I'm seeking out someone that is greater than myself. I'm seeking out someone that is greater than my issue. Prayer is releasing control. The first point I told you today is you are not in control. Prayer releases that control from you over to God. The second thing that he says is this. He says, instead, pray about everything and then tell God what you need. Okay, so we're releasing control through prayer. We're telling God what we need. Do you know what telling God what you need does for you? Here's what it does. It gets it off your chest. Sometimes you need to say it out loud. But here's what I want you to understand. You are literally telling God, God, here is the situation. Here is what I'm turning over to you. I've identified through prayer that you're in control. Here's what I'm turning over to you so that you can take over and I can, you can increase and I can decrease. So here it is. You know what? Sometimes when you actually say it out loud to people, sometimes when you say it out loud to God, you know what happens with the issue? It gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's what happens. Sometimes you realize that you've made a mountain out of a molehill. But when you pray to God and you tell him what you need, you're identifying that not only is he the one in control, but he is the one that is the giver of things in your life. Here, Lord, is what I need. And that bond, when you do that, is more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. That's why the scripture we read a while ago says the most important thing is the relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? The most important thing because that bond is being strengthened. And when you have a strength, strengthened bond with God, you begin to realize that he really is in control. And you really don't have to worry about things. And then here's the third thing it says. It says, and thank him for all he has done. Okay, thank him for all he has done. I don't know about you, but there's nothing more pleasing to me than whenever one of my kids come up and says, hey, um, dad, I really appreciate y'all doing that for me. I really appreciate that y'all doing that for me. Uh, our daughter recently said this, said, said hey, listen, uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized everything that you guys gave up for me, everything that you guys did for me. And can I tell you how incredible that is? Can I tell you how incredible that feels to hear that? God feels the same way. The other thing it does is this. God, thank you. For me, it would be God, thank you that 20-something years ago you brought me through a tornado. And if you can bring me through the tornado, you can bring me through this tornado too. Thank you. That, that you did this for me. Thank you that you gave me this. Thank you that you gave me that. And if you can do those things, this thing that I'm facing right now, I know that you have it too. And that is exactly the plan for your worry, is to pray about it, to tell him your concerns, and then thank him for everything he's already done for you. And when you begin to do that, let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this, Then you will experience God's peace. And listen to this, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds 
as you live in Christ Jesus. That is the plan for your worry. That is the plan for your fear. That's it. You're praying to him. You're petitioning him. And you're praising him for everything that he's done. And when you do that, you'll experience God's peace. And I can't guarantee you a lot of things, but I can guarantee you that. And then you will understand and you will have this peace. You'll tell people this, you'll say, I can't explain it. But all of a sudden this peace just came over me. When I was supposed to be fearful, when I was supposed to be upset, when I was supposed to be, this peace just came over me. And I knew then that that was the peace of God. And if you've never experienced that, trust me, you want to experience it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much that you are, you are the giver of life. You are the giver of peace. And God, thank you so much that we don't have to walk around worried and stressed out and fearful in our whole lives. We don't have to do that. That's not your plan. That's not your purpose. That's not at all what you came for. As a matter of fact, God, you came for the opposite. You came that we would have joy and have it more abundantly. You came that we would have, John 10, 10 says that we would have an abundant life. And so, God, I pray that you would not let us do like the video did and let us go to the worst case scenario in every situation. But, God, that you would allow us to live a life that is free from from worry and fear. And, God, when those things pop up, when fear pops up, when worry pops up, God, I just pray that you would let us put that in the proper place. Put that in a place where where it belongs. And that is under the authority of you. Under the authority of you. God, we pray that in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, I want to tell you something. Fear and worry, they're both emotions. That's all they are. Fear and worry are just emotions. That's all they are. They're just emotions. And so I'm not telling you that you're not going to have a situation in your life where you're not going to feel fear and you're not going to feel worry. But here's the thing. The thing is, is and this is why, Lynn, can you bring back up, can you bring back up the scripture that discusses uh, your mind in, in uh, Philippians 4, 7? Can you bring that back up for me? Here's what it says. There's a reason it says this. I want, you to, I want you to know this. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And here's what it says. His, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds. And I want you to know something. Whenever you, whenever you have that fear that hits you or that worry that hits you, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to have a thought in your mind. You'll have a thought. And if you let it take another step forward, you're going to have an emotion, which is going to be in your heart. And that emotion can lead to an action. And that's how your mind works. That's how your body works. So it's no big secret that he said, I'm going to guard your heart and your mind. I'm going to guard. I'm going to guard your thoughts and your emotions. If you'll just trust him, he will give you peace in those areas. And those actions will never come to fruition. It's not like you're never going to have a worry. It's not like you're never going to have a fear. The question is, is what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let it submit under Christ? Or are you going to let it try to ruin your life? The choice really is up to you. Stand up and let's worship together. I'll be down front if anybody needs prayer. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, the, the altar is open. There's nothing magical about the altar here, but I'd love to pray for you. You can pray with someone at your seat. If someone comes down front to the altar, if some of our, our, our prayer warriors would.
hit the altar with them. It'd be awesome. Let's sing our final worship song today. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.